Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Stud Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Good Monday morning. We're halfway through the month of August. Can you believe that, Emil Calamina? We're halfway through August. I guess time and, just uh, flies when we're having fun. I I guess so. Uh, football season right around the corner. You can smell the pigskin, and that's what this show is going to be about today. It's uh, the beginning of our college football predictions here on the Gridiron Stud Show. We do this annually, and we are back to do it again. We're going to start off today with the uh, ACC and Big 12, so if you're into predictions and you like college football, which should be every one of you listening to us right now, you have uh, come on at the right time. So Eamon and I will be breaking down the ACC and Big 12 on the show today. As always, if you'd like to reach us, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. You can always reach us on Twitter at Gridiron Studs and uh, hit us with you know your questions, comments, etc., etc., etc. Um, so, you know, I spent a little bit of time battering up Florida et cetera, State fans et cetera. What does that mean? Yeah. I think you, you know what that means. If you don't, you haven't lived long enough, I suppose. Go into like your house. Right what did you do to the Florida State What did you do to the Florida State fans? You're a bad man. Yeah, you know, listen, Florida State fans are uh, full of bravado. I guess this is the time when they should be. Um, I'm letting them know you probably shouldn't be all that pumped up about yourselves yes you've been winning a lot of games of late yes you are the number one team uh you have to admit in the state of florida because you have uh, you have a nice streak going against florida and miami but for all your dominance you've got one national championship to show for it and that came in the form of a last minute drive when you had probably arguably um one of the best quarterbacks ever to play in college football and it took a last minute drive for you to go down there and you know get the job Done, and I've explained um, that, hell, when we dominated, we being the University of Miami, we dominated. When we had a championship game, we smacked people, not dilly-daddly around like they did. But for all that, you've got one championship for all of your winning. And Florida State never really has had a dynasty, yet they're all over social media, and they're really, really, really full of themselves. And so I got them a little bit lathered up this weekend. Well, uh, wait a second. Can I can facts. I play devil's advocate? Because sure, because, by all uh, means. Because yeah. I'm going to just do you like I did them. So jump uh, on. Yeah, jump in. well, uh, you, you're not going to do me because I'm not a Florida State guy. But but the '90s, I mean, you could go into the championship stuff, but that was pretty dynastic. You got to. I That's mean, what dynasties are, friend. Don't start telling me they won a lot of games. You got to win the championship. Well, let me finish, please. I know you're bound up about this. I, I, I sense the venom. I mean, you played for Miami. Your you son said devil's for advocate, Florida. so I'm ready to launch in there. Oh, yeah, I know. You're ready to, you're ready don't to light me, me with up. The, but, don't hit but me I'm with just the, giving you, I played at Miami, and my kid plays at Florida. You That's can refute whatever you like. Let me finish. First of all, 
we both know, and we've talked about this in the show, it's a little better now, but college football championships, let's face it, they were handed out willy-nilly for the last 80 years. We know that because your team has been screwed out of them, my team and other people's teams. Okay, they, they, they had no rhyme nor reason. So, But let's look at the 90s. They won two championships in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They didn't miss being ranked in an AP poll for a decade. Mm-hmm. A decade. I, I mean, that, okay. I mean, listen, I'm no, I'm no Florida State lover, but that's pretty dynastic. No, it's not. Where else would we even accept something like that? I mean, if I was a, look, if the University of Miami were to come on saying, I mean, like, so what do you want to say about the University of Miami? If you well, they had a dynasty that, too. Able, you got to say it's the best dynasty ever if you're going to throw that in there. The best dynasty ever if you're, you're going to throw that in there. Um, if you're you prepared to say uh, that, are you prepared to say uh, that? I might be. Yeah, you, you know, you're, you're hitting won. me up here, but I I might be for a period of time. You gotta I say mean, it. Well, I'm not saying it's not. Let me think about it. I'm saying, let me think. They won four championships in about ten years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right up there with what Alabama's doing right now. No, not yeah. right up there anywhere. It is the best. If we're gonna if we're gonna make this concession for Florida State because they were ranked in the top ten, they were in the polls. That BS where you didn't win a championship, where we wouldn't do that in any other sport. If we're gonna do that, no, they won two though. I said they won two championships. They won in '93 and '99. Yeah. Um, do you remember what happened in '93? No, nah, I don't want to take anything away. You did win the championship, but yeah, yeah, I got you. I, I, listen, I I feel I feel what you're laying down, and you may be able to say Miami's was better. I think, but I'm just saying. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I may be able to say maybe. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Come on, well, man. Here, but here's because what we I'll won say. that championship against Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, all the way out to man, 1992. Too, but even my well, wait year. a second. There's there's two kinds of when Miami star was bright, it burned brighter. Mm. But at at points during that time, it got dimmer. Like when Maryland hung 49 points on them and they went eight and five or something that year. Florida State that didn't have any of that. That is the only in the 90s. time, Amo, from 1984 to 92 that you could even come to say anything like that. That's the only time, I, 1985. I'm That's only it. trying to get a they call the They call the 86 – well, I'm killing you. I'm going to kill your devil advocacy. They call the 86 okay. team that lost to your Penn State – oh, no, not even that. The 86 not team. my Penn State. I got dunked in the snow rooting for that. Yeah, Miami you're right. Team. You're right. That 86 <laughs> team, many people will say, was the best. All right, was one of the was the best out of all of them and didn't win the championship. '87 team was outstanding, lost on a horrible night in the Fiesta Bowl against Penn State. Uh, the '88 team uh, was ranked in the top three, I guess, at the end of the year. Right. The '89 team right. won a championship. The 1990 team lost uh, two games, three games, but went to the Cotton Bowl, and you know what happened there. '91 well, won a championship. '92 played for the championship. Zam and Florida State in many of those years were the two best teams, and a couple were decided by a little man without a bare foot from 40 yards away. Florida so I'm saying they were a tight ball game. Was our sons? They were our sons. They were our children. We tucked them into bed during all of the 90s. I mean, Wait, the 80s. What about the little man who missed a couple field goals? I mean, it wasn't like you took him behind the shed. It's part of the game. Well, I'm saying they weren't beat downs necessarily. Come on, man. But you got beat. So Florida State wants to trump and thump their chest about an 18 to 16, 1993 win yeah, uh, where was, they won a championship. And that was a goofy one, well, if you bet, remember that one. 
that was that's pre right. replay some some where the guy fumbled like the ball yeah. for Florida State. Do you remember that? He fumbled the ball absolutely. on the goal line. And, and he, yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. So if they're going to, you know, thump so we agree Florida State sucks then. Let's move on. I'm not going to say Florida State sucks. <laughs> I'm not going to say that about any team um, in, in the state of Florida. Not doing that. But, uh, you know, listen, Florida State, calm yourselves down, fellas. I'm, and I'm telling them, you know, you're kind of on a slight decline there to which they argued me down. But I say, listen, 2013 championship, 2014, you had a bloody Rose Bowl. I mean, a complete face kicking. And then last year oh, yeah. you lose the Houston in a, in a bowl game. I mean, if that's not a decline, then I don't know what the, the Houston Bowl loss last year. If you, if you're if you're going to say you're in a period of of you know where you have a little we'll call it a mini dynasty because I don't know what word I want to use. Um, you can't lose to Houston in a bowl game. Sorry, doesn't work that way. Yeah, I totally understood why it happened though, and it's typical oh, I, when you. I understand why you know, it happened, but you just you weren't know, lathered I mean, up last, for that bowl. Game. Don't no, tell. But, but you know, tell, here's, uh, here's where I don't buy some of that stuff with with that. I mean, there were some. You know, Alabama was is the dynasty now. The one before that was USC in the 2000s, and the before that in the 90s. You know, we had the Miami uh, and Florida State going together, and then the 80s we definitely had Miami. Um, I, I understand that sometimes, but but when you have a really good like. Look at some of those Pete Carroll teams. They won a couple championships, but there were years they were disappointed. They went in the bowl game and kicked the holy hell out of somebody. When would this have been? Well, let's let's look in the uh, mid-2000s. They lost that goofy UCLA game at the end of the year. Would have put them in the national championship had they won. Uh, they went to the, the Rose Bowl, and they had to play – uh, like a, a nine and three or ten and two Illinois team, which which couldn't have excited them. I mean, they go to, they went to the Rose Bowl every damn year. It wasn't like oh good we're going to the Rose Bowl, and and they just and that was when Rashard Mendenhall played for Illinois, and they just beat them senseless. So I don't know if I necessarily buy Florida State should go and lose to Houston when they're still when they still got a shot. Um, where where do they play that Rose Bowl game? I'm assuming the Rose Bowl. Yeah, that's that's a home game, right? Right. Well, yeah. Come on, Emil Calamino. How do you always find a way to insert USC into a college football? Well, game? okay, I'll insert Alabama. They when they lose these bowl games to teams like Oklahoma and they get beat, and then they go go with the whole thing. Well, we weren't trying. I don't know. I don't like that. If you lose, oh, you lose. it's not really that, Emil. Come on, man. Let me give you let me give you a player's perspective on this. Not that you're not trying. I don't know if that's the word you want to use. But when you're used to playing in those big-time games, bowl games like that, you're playing for something, okay? You're playing for something. And when the next time, that when the next year rolls around and you're not playing for anything and it's a bowl week, it's like, so what's the meaning of it? It's almost like, like a pro bowl game. And I hate to say that. Yeah, you're competitive, but you, you, it's, it's what Your is the focus, meaning of this Maybe game? what you're saying is the focus before the game, the preparation isn't there. So when you yes, go on the field, exactly. you very well may be trying, but so what? You're not prepared you to didn't win. Prepare that what you're adequately during the, you didn't prepare adequately during the week. Bowl week is a hodgepodge of distractions. And if you are not fully in tuned into getting a desired result at the end, it, yeah, you, you, you will fail to prepare. And that's really what bowl games are all about, um, preparation. For it. it's, and you want to know the truth? No other, I know all this. Yeah. I'm just being a jerk. Mm. Yeah, well, I was just we, trying to be a jerk. Pretty much, my friend. You know, I get it. I understand. 
um, because that's what you do here on the Gridiron. That's what I do. You're an antagonist. I'm an antagonist. Yes. All right. That's what uh, I, I know quick, what you're I saying. Yeah, uh, Florida State fans, I just really want them to calm down um, a tad, take it down a little bit. Um, All right, before we jump into our predictions here, something went down last week that is just so ironic for me because it involves two people that I have used in the past as total contrast. And to just give an idea of where we are mentally in society and in this country, and it was just so ironic that both of these individuals having – significant stories that got airtime and airplay in the same week. Uh, one of them was uh, Tim Tebow, who is a, obviously a lightning rod, a polarizing figure. You're either with Tim or you're totally against him. And all of this seems to boil down to the fact that he was not gr- a, a great NFL quarterback. That, and I guess for some people, he's too religious. Um, by all accounts, Tim Tebow is a great guy. Um, has not had any run-ins with the law, seems to treat people with respect, and um, has never done anything that would embarrass himself, the family, people he represents, the country, um, just us in general. Happens to be quite religious. I don't know why that's a problem for people. Maybe it forces people to face um, the way that they're living in their own lives. For whatever reason, it bothers people. So Tim Tebow announces that he's going to hold a, a workout for Major League Baseball teams. And all, all hell breaks loose. All I'm hearing on Sports Talk Radio, people uh, tearing down Tim Tebow, another publicity stunt. He sucked as a college, as a high, uh, an NFL quarterback. Now here's a now he's going to take away opportunities from other uh, MLB uh, hopefuls. Like, come on already, give me a break. What do he's we? He's not going to take away an opportunity from anyone. I mean, if he's not no, good he's enough, not, he won't, I heard he won't this be playing argument. it. Yeah, I heard this stupid argument. There's kids in the Dominican uh, playing with rocks and sticks, and they're 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 you know scratching and and clawing to get into Major League Baseball, and he gets this workout. Man, no one says anything when a rapper or some uh, you know quasi celebrity gets a role on a TV show or a speaking role in a major motion picture film, and they skipped over all the acting um, classes and improv, and and Broadway, and all that. Skipped over all those people, and now they're acting. Like, come on already. It, like, people are just looking for any reason to tear Tim Tebow down. From what I understand, um, he was a damn good high school baseball player. Granted, that was about 10 years ago. But he's been working at it for the last three months. And you know what, Amo? When I was done playing football, uh, I had a whole bunch of ideas of things I wanted to do with my life in terms of a career. And some of them I pursued and some I didn't. Tim Tebow's going about his. I don't know how you feel about that. No, I don't have a problem. Listen, the chances of him making it from a perspective of we know how, how baseball is a very difficult game. It's really difficult when you haven't played in 10 years. Ask Michael Jordan how that worked out. The chances of him making it are small, but I have no problem with him trying. He's a great athlete. He's got a better – I think your average uh, meatball on the couch looks at themselves – and says, oh, I haven't played baseball in 10 years or 15 years. You can't do that. But you're not an athlete like Tim Tebow. He, the, right, the guy's exactly. a great athlete. Right, and that's so, uh, the part that they feel. But they're always taking off on a guy, so that was it again. But now here's the contrast. On the same week, I want to say in back-to-back days, you had the story on Tim Tebow where um, he's not out hurting anybody. He's just going out and trying to you know, uh, pursue an opportunity he may have. You get Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman 
comes out with a story about how he broke his dick, Emil, not once, not twice, three times. Did you hear him tell the story? I sent that to you. I hope you're. I, did you watch the video when he tells the story? Oh, not only did I hear the story, I got this for you. Hey, this is Dennis Rodman. Let me show you how to break your dick three ways. I was on a boat one time in Dallas, Texas. They go out there all day long, you know, in the sun, drinking, drinking, party, 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 go to the bar out there at night, drunk as a motherfucker. It's this, this, my girlfriend, night, whatever. We in the back, we in the back of the boat, the big king size bed. You know, she said, we gotta have sex. She loves sex. So I said, try, I think I'm going to try something different. She said, go over there, walk over there. I said, okay, I'll walk over there. She said, I want you to run and jump in my pussy. I said, all right, great. So I go run, run on the boat. I dive like this. And literally do. I'm like, oh, f- blood everywhere. I mean, I could go on, but uh, <laughs> I mean, Abel, the man says he broke his dick. Three different ways, <laughs> blood everywhere. To listen to, I mean, if you if you got time and you're of age, uh, listen to that story. Emil, that was celebrated on the same talk radio shows. They got a laugh out of it. Dennis Rodman's this crazy guy. Uh, they're ready to, you know, elect him mayor. A guy is telling a story about, listen, and in the middle of, he did this. And in there, he's telling stories of uh, all the coke he was doing and boozing he was doing and all the other debauchery he was involved in when he, quote-unquote, broke his dick three different times. So on one hand, you've got a guy who's religious, does things to help people, and stays completely out of trouble, pursuing a baseball career, and he's vilified. And on the other hand, one day later, Dennis Rodman tells the guy, broke his dick three times, he's celebrated. Where are we in this country, Emil? Well, I mean, you have to admit, first of all, I'm, I'm with you on all this, so we're going to end up agreeing, but you have to admit, when you hear the Rodman story, you, you did laugh. Well, I got a chuckle, but it's Dennis Rodman, so nothing unexpected there. I mean, at this point, the only way for Dennis Rodman to get any press um, is to come out with something like this. He he has to go, you know, That's correct. visit North Korea. I agree he has to tell you how he broke his dick three times. only way he can get on right now which was the central point of the argument people had against Tim Tebow, publicity stunt. Well, what is What says publicity stunt than a story about you breaking your dick three different times? Well, I, I do think there's a certain degree in, with a guy like Tebow where people are jealous, if, if that makes any sense to you. They don't realize oh, no that a lot. Yeah, they, they don't realize that, but, but deep down he bothers people because they look for something. Because let's face it, we're all imperfect, right? But what they see in in the world with him is everything about him seems like he's, like you said, he's a good guy. I mean, he doesn't do drugs, doesn't seem to get in trouble with the law, seems to treat people nicely when he meets them in an airport or whatever. You never hear a bad story like, but boy, what a jerk that Tim Tebow was. That bothers a lot of people because they cannot meet that standard, and, and in a way they're jealous. Whereas a guy like Rodman makes people feel good about themselves because they say, you know what, for all his money... If he has much left, I don't know his deal, but he's a train wreck. Hell, I'm, I'm better than him. Do you, do you, does that make sense? See what I'm saying? They look at a guy so, like him and yeah, say, of course. Dennis Rodman makes you feel better about your life and what you've got going on. I, I, I get it, but good grief. Where are we at in life if uh, we we openly do that? Okay, I understand how it makes you feel inside. 
But when you take to social media, I mean, and anyone can do this exercise, go on Twitter and just put in Tim Tebow, search Tim Tebow, search Dennis Rodman, and look at the contrast in um, opinions about those stories last week. And it's just going to kind of make you cry. Well, yeah, and, you know, I I don't want to turn this into a show like, you know, uh, where I get too deep into this, but I do think the Christianity bothers people for some reason. Oh, it it definitely does. There is no doubt about that, that's for sure. Well, um, yeah, just something for people to think about. Where are we in life that, uh, you know, a a broke dick story gets uh, (laughs) – Gets a ribbon. Every time you say that, I'm gonna laugh. Stop saying that. <laughs> a broke dick story gets gets a uh, gets a ribbon, um, and uh, the story of a wholesome guy pursuing a Did career. Did you see the guy life. who made the cartoon about it? By the way. Um. Well, I think that was he, part of the video that I watched. Okay. Yeah, he dubbed it. Yeah, they dubbed <laughs> in his one. voice. That's the one I saw, where he goes running across the room. Oh, <laughs> that was great. Yeah, available for you on this great thing. <laughs> called YouTube. So I think we better get to some football, though, Emil. So um, coming up next, we're going to have the Big 12 predictions. Emil and I are going to break it down. Is it going to be Oklahoma again, or is there a surprise team in the Big 12 ready to jump up? We'll talk about that more when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. t-shirts away whether it's the company recreational basketball team the youth soccer league for the kids or the halloween party your buddy throws every year t-shirts are as much a part of the american culture as tom brady deflating footballs screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups they're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices more colors more costly the answer do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, 
Don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at tshirtsupplies.com. That's T-Shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-Shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance? No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You're talking to the Rolex! Wearing diamond ring, wearing kid stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! Yeah. Ten twenty-seven here on a Gridiron Stud Show, and uh, you know, listen, we've delayed long enough. Pretty long break there, Emil. Paid some bills. Paid a lot of bills on that one. But we're going to launch right now into our predictions. As we do every year, we're going to kick this thing off with the Big 12. because Emil I need to interrupt so. with some breaking news. And I don't know if you've heard this yet and maybe, but this broke six minutes ago and I've got an update. It's a football news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL, maybe you already know this, please stop me if you do, is considering the 2018, so in two years, opener in China 
on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Why? Why do we continue to do these things? When are we going to have a game in Samoa? Where does it end? The love of God. I don't know. They must think that they, they must not really understand that while they may get 100,000 Chinese people to show up just for the novelty of the game, I don't really foresee the Chinese market being a fertile ground for NFL football. I, hey, I really don't. They're trying things, though, so uh, let's just give them an A for effort. Football in China, I don't see it exploding. Nevertheless, let's get into this thing. Here's how we're going to do this. Um, we're going to just run through this thing alphabetically. I will do that, and uh, Eamon and I will just give our uh, little tidbits on each team. Some teams will have smaller tidbits than others, and it's only right because you don't want to hear us expound on Iowa State and Wake Forest. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, if you do want to hear more about Iowa State and Wake Forest, you can call us on the show today, 347-633-9365. It's not really the best way to get a phone call. Or uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Studs. And uh, tell us how much you love Iowa State and uh, Wake Forest football. And we'll be more than happy to continue on with it. So if we're going alphabetically, Emil, and I was halfway decent in English in school, I think we've got to start with Baylor in the Big 12. And why not? Uh, they, were, uh, much, they were much of the story in the offseason for the uh, Big 12, not in the way you would have hoped, Emil. Yeah, I mean, they, had, they had as bad an offseason in, in the history of sports, in any sport. I mean, what what a disaster of an off season. I mean, this is a school that for about 40 years, 50 years was essentially the doormat of the old Southwest Conference and then, you know, right moved right over to the Big 12, continued to let, you know, let people wipe their feet on them when they walked in the house. And then all of a sudden here comes Art Bryles and uh, you know, he turns Baylor into, you know, a perennial top 10 team. Uh, you know, really turns that that program around and then we come to find out this off season that you know we've got all kinds of allegations of wrongdoing among players that were being swept under the rug uh, and inappropriately investigated by Bryles and his coaching staff. And I'm talking about rape allegations where they're actually interviewing alleged victims. Uh, the coaching yeah. staff, that is. A rather unfortunate season for them um, off off the field. On the field, the good news for Baylor is this. You do return your quarterback from a year ago. You do return some high-powered um, weapons on offense. Um, you're decent on defense, which, you know, amounts to a lot in the Big 12. So I'm not predicting a full and total collapse because you've lost Art Bryles. However, I do predict a slide back for Baylor this year. And, you know, a team that was in the thick of things very much the last two seasons, I don't really see as being in the thick of things again this year. Hey, well, I have them as an 8-4 and four football team. Yes, the uh, preseason schedule is cake, as it, as it has been. But it's going to be tough now uh, with the faces changing to win that Oklahoma State game. Uh, the Texas game, which is on the road, is going to be tough. Uh, winning at Oklahoma is going to be harder than it's ever been. And, you know, one of those last three teams on the schedule could, could end up being a problem for you. So um, I'm yeah. counting four losses here for Baylor. I, I kind of feel the same way about the program itself. First of all, you can't discount losing Bryles. I mean, sure, they have players back. Um, they lost a lot of kids coming in that, that they had to let out of commitments. Uh, but he he did something there that no one else has been able to do, and to just think it's going to go on without a hitch, that doesn't really make much sense to me. I think, you know, there's going to be an adjustment, and maybe they never come back because no matter what we want to think about Art Bryles, and I don't know all the facts as to what he did and didn't know, that'll come out over the years. He may not be a great human being, maybe he is, maybe whatever, but he was a great coach. And 
you know, you, you look at that, first of all, they're not going to prepare themselves for Big 12 play by opening up with Northwestern State, SMU, and then that brutal game on a Friday night at Rice. Okay, that's not going to help you for what you deal with on September 24th at home against Oklahoma State, because I think Oklahoma State, and we'll get to them, has a hell of a team this year. So everything you said, spot on. I mean, I've got them around the same range. Maybe they go 9-3, and three, but I see 8-4. and four. And I, don't, I just don't think they compete for this, this league championship this year. No, neither do I. Iowa State, not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, Emil. Um They won't be the, you know, they they – Probably won't be the worst team in this conference, but they're going to be uh, below the midpoint. I, you know, five and seven is where I see Iowa. Um, schedule gets a little sticky for you, and just not a whole lot going on there. It, Iowa State still remains a team that could scare you uh, on a given Saturday if you come in there, but uh, that's about all they'll do. They'll scare you for about three quarters and then remember who they are and, and lose at the end. So I've got Iowa State as a five and seven football team this year. Yeah, and that may even be, you know, you look at that opener with Northern Iowa, a pretty darn good one A team. I mean, that's certainly a game. I know people might chuckle, but that's a game they could lose. Then they go to Iowa, to TCU. I mean, you know, you may be, you may be kind in giving them uh, five wins because I'm looking down the schedule, and, you know, I'll give them Northern Iowa, San Jose State as a win and maybe Kansas, but that's a road game, but I'll give them Kansas. But there's a lot of games on that schedule that I don't see them winning even at home. I mean, so, yeah, five wins is probably generous. I, I'll, Where are you I'll putting them? a four-win team. Four wins. Four, four and eight, Amel says, for yeah. Iowa State. Kansas, not another team we're not going to spend a whole lot on. Iowa State won't be the worst team in the conference, and that's because Kansas is in it. Kansas hasn't been the same since they uh, kicked the big guy out of there, Mangino, so – uh, I don't see anything really changing there for them. Uh, I believe they were a 2-10 team last year. They're on their way, it looks like to me, to being a 2-10 football team uh, once again. So uh, no one should get lathered up for Kansas football unless you're looking for some type of an, uh, an individual performance by someone there. Uh, but Yeah, my only advice for Kansas is get that first win against Rhode Island at home or it's going to be a very, very long season. Yeah, definitely need to do that. I think they can win the Ohio game. Then everything else on their schedule gets to be really rough. At Memphis, then you, you're going through the Big 12 schedule. and So um, it looks like a 2-0 and start and maybe a 10-game losing streak. Who knows, though, but that's kind of where I have them at. Is that where you have them, Amy? Uh Yeah, two two wins is probably right. You know, the Ohio game, they could easily lose as well. But, I mean, they, maybe, they, maybe they steal one in conference play. I mean, but two wins is probably uh, where they end up the season. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas State is the next team we need to talk about. And as much as I love what Kansas State does there, what Snyder does there, um, I'm predicting a fallback for them. Uh, just too much to replace. Uh, it's getting tougher and tougher to win there in Kansas State and in this conference. And I just think they've got some things stacked against them this year. One of those things being uh, a schedule that might be a little difficult for them to to wade their way through. So I don't I don't like I don't like the, the scheduling here. And I and I know that whoever did this probably had to take what he could get, or she could get. But I, I would rather see them have flipped those first two games because if you're going to play a road game against the Power Five team, if it's not going to be a neutral site game, I'd like you to loosen up first and maybe play FAU first at home. And then if you want to take a road trip out to Stanford, that's nice. Uh, opening at Stanford, they're not doing those kids any favors. Uh, you know, and then they got two winnable games against FAU and Missouri State. But if you really look inside the schedule, 
where it's unfair for Kansas State, especially for the talent level. I mean, they're not getting Oklahoma and Texas type of players. They're at West Virginia, at Oklahoma, at Baylor, at TCU. I mean, well, you know, on top of that, Emil, they've got a four-game stretch of at West Virginia, then Texas Tech, who should be decent this year. Then you're at Oklahoma, then you're following that up with a game in Texas. It's just going to be murderous for them uh, and a tough little stretch for them to get through uh, for Kansas State. So, I'm, you know, it hurts me to say this because they've been a solid football team, and I like what it is that they're able to do in a place like Manhattan, Kansas. But uh, five and seven is where I have Kansas State this year. You know, I was just going to say the same thing, and I I think that first game against Stanford, you know, thank God they have two weeks off after the game because they're going to go out there on, on the grass. I think they're going to get beat up pretty good, and they're going to need those two weeks to recover to play FAU. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's a brutal schedule. Five wins, I think, is, is about all I see them doing. And if, if things don't break right for them and they don't win their home games, uh, it could be a brutal year because the road games, there's not many wins games that I see them being able to steal on the road. Sure, Oklahoma is next alphabetically, and, uh, you know, listen, what can we say about Oklahoma? They did well to get into the college football playoff last year and represent Big 12 in, in, in that. Uh, they did end up losing to Clemson, who was a damn good football team last year. The biggest thing for Oklahoma, though, is that they're returning a possible Heisman candidate in Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Uh, you can't underestimate the power of that, and uh, Oklahoma um, was a team that played some kind of defense there last year, so... Uh, I think they're still the class of the conference, and I see Oklahoma possibly making a run at the at the college football playoffs again. I have met eleven and one. Well, you and I, if you recall, if you recall, we talked about in the last show where we pulled out that AP all-time eighty-year poll, and we were going on and on. You actually put it up on Twitter about the USC Alabama game where we had two of the top five teams in the history of college football matching up in week one. Well. Week three, we got we got number one and number two according to that poll. We have right. you Oklahoma and Ohio State playing one another, uh, and what a treat this year! I mean, for college football fans seeing these interconference games. I mean, college football teams, the big guys have really stepped up and scheduled one another. I have to think the AD at Oklahoma had no idea that Houston would be that much better because I have a feeling when the schedule was done, he said, "Okay, Houston, UL Monroe, we'll loosen up on them, and then we'll play Ohio State." Sure. <laughs> so, I'm not sure. That's going to be really a that's going to be a really big game there. O- Ohio State and Oklahoma is going to shape up the way some things come down at the end. So really big game for them. And, and, yeah, uh, early on. I, I have them losing a couple games here, my friend, and I don't know which two. I mean, I I, I think the schedule and the expectations. Now again, they still may win the conference at that because who knows? Maybe they lose one of these out of conference games and they're seven and one in the conference. We'll talk about they that. They win the at conference the end, at ten and two. The Big Twelve's not getting represented in the college football playoffs. I understand that. I just I see the schedule being really challenging for them in that they play the Houston neutral site game, uh, then they have that Ohio State game at home. Oh, two weeks later, they make a trip to TCU before playing the Texas game on October eighth, and we all know that Texas has gotten them in, in years where you, you didn't think Texas would beat them. So you, and, and Oklahoma traditionally, by the way, has never played well. We talk about that a lot when we do our handicapping the week before the Texas game. So Very true, and that is a TCU game, a, so I can feel you on that. Yeah, I think that the schedule sets up in that there's probably a couple losses here due to scheduling. Um, I think they're an excellent team, and if they went 11-1, and I wouldn't be surprised. 
So I'm not I'm not really as much debating you as just I feel like there's a second loss for for some. Yeah, reason likewise, I wouldn't be surprised if they did lose. I mean, it is Oklahoma. We've uh, talked quite a bit on this show about big game Bob, um, and you might find a way to lose another one there. I've got them at 11 and one. Wouldn't surprise me if they were 10 and two. Oklahoma State, a team I know you like very much this year. Uh, listen, I love Mike Gundy. I like what he's been able to do. He's been one of the teams in the conference who's you know uh, played some kind of defense. Uh, and I think that will continue here, but I just I don't I don't think they're the team to win the conference. I think if there's a second place team in this conference, it's going to be uh, between them and TCU. So I have Oklahoma State at nine and three, uh, like a lot of what they've done, and they're steady and consistent. Not pe- they don't get a whole lot of press. It's been all about Oklahoma and Baylor and TCU in this conference, and uh, even Texas, when, though they've not been winning, and no one's really paid that much attention to Oklahoma State. I think it'll be another solid year for them, but another one where they come up just short. I have them in that nine-win range as well. Again, they're one where it wouldn't surprise me if they got the tenth. Um, I like the way the schedule sets up. They, they, you know, they got their two, you know, their two, uh, whatever you want to call them, cream puffs early, and then you know, up comes Pitt on September seventeenth, and Pitt might be a decent team this year. That that'll be a, an interesting game. That Saturday's another Saturday we can look forward to. Two weeks after the opening Saturday, we have a, a, a couple really good uh, interconference matchups. That being one of them. Then they, they they go to Baylor. We talked a little bit about Baylor. Baylor might be susceptible uh, to getting beat at home this year. They're home with Texas, so it sets up nicely until the end, and that's where I think it gets uh, troublesome and why they end up at nine and three. Uh, they have back to back road games to end the year at TCU at Oklahoma. Uh, you know that that's asking a lot of them, but I think they're going to be a very good team this year. I mean, I really do. They're going to be a handful. Yeah, uh, and I and I can agree with that. TCU next up. Um, TCU's got to replace, you know, what was a Heisman Trophy candidate type quarterback. That's always tough breaking in a new guy in, especially in this conference where so much is uh, revolves around the quarterback and your ability to be able to score. Uh, the good thing for TCU is that, as always, you get to really ease into your schedule. Although I don't want to really say that because they they were. Uh, prideful enough to throw Arkansas in there, but Arkansas is replacing some parts as well. TCU does get that. I don't know if that game is that at home or is that on a neutral site against Arkansas. I do believe that's I, I a believe home it's game. a home game. I'd have to go definitely research it a little more, but I think it is a home game for them. Off, yeah. Off my so, so South Dakota State, Arkansas, Iowa State, and then SMU are your first four games. So you can kind of ease in your quarterback, but then uh, you hit you hit Oklahoma. Um, early on in the year, and I think for TCU it would have been better off of them if they would have gotten that uh, you know, quarterback a little more seasoned before you got down to the end there. But TCU is a, a team that I also like Oklahoma State see at 9-3. and three. Uh, I'm going to surprise some people, um, and I guess we, you know, the way we're doing this, and I'm, I'm fine with it because I, I suggested it, but I, I actually have TCU winning this conference at 11-1, and one, and I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> probably surprise some people, but I've I've always felt in this conference that a guy who doesn't get as much love maybe as he should is Gary Patterson. I I believe he's the best coach in the conference, personally, um, for what he does. Being where he's located in that Dallas area, recruiting really against uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and and probably getting you know not the pick of the litter on most in most cases. I think he's just an excellent coach, and he'll get production from the quarterback position. I love the way the schedule sets up. I love the Oklahoma game. Being at home for them, 
and again, the week before Oklahoma plays Texas. And, mm-hmm. you know, do I think Oklahoma's going to overlook TCU? Not necessarily, but as you said earlier when we talked about bowl games, I think it could be a case where Oklahoma does not necessarily prepare for TCU, regardless of TCU's record, because they're looking ahead to Texas. And I like the way it sets up. I like the road games are teams that I think they can handle, like Kansas's and West Virginia's, uh, even a Baylor who might be down their home with Oklahoma State. You know, I think the big game for them will be a game at Texas later in the year because I think Texas will be a little bit improved, especially as strong mm-hmm. as more of his own guys in there. But I, I have TCU in an upset winning this conference at 11-1. Yeah, I could I could understand you doing that. I don't like that stretch there uh, that starts in the middle of October where they're at West Virginia, then you're Texas Tech, then you're at Baylor, Oklahoma State, then you finish with Texas. I just feel like there might be might be some slip-ups there, and if they happen early, then um, you could have a problem. And then, again, like I said, I don't like the early meeting with Oklahoma. If you could have slid that back maybe three weeks with a brand-new quarterback, you know, the first four games aren't going to prepare you for an Oklahoma. But there's always that factor that you mentioned where Oklahoma uh, doesn't play well before Texas. And it's hard to ignore history in uh, in the game of college football. So we'll see which way this thing shakes out. Speaking of Texas, they're next up on the schedule. Uh Man, Charlie Strong has certainly had his battles in the first two years there. I remember seeing this after his first season. You don't want uh, – if you're Charlie Strong and you're Oklahoma uh, – your Texas fans thinking in the long term, you didn't really want him to come in there and win 10, 11 games that first season. You kind of want a gradual build up to this. I think they're not going to take a big leap this year, uh, but I do think they continue moving in the right direction. And uh, in so doing, I think Texas uh, maybe bumps their record up to a seven and five, eight and four. I mean, last year they were a five-win football team at five and seven. I think if you're moving this needle in the predictable way, I think you slide yourself up to a seven and five season here for for Texas. They still have offensive issues. New offensive coordinator. Not sure what they're going to be doing there at quarterback. You're opening up with Notre Dame. You got a game at Cal. You're at Oklahoma State. Um, it's the schedule early is tough, and that's not what you need it to be you don't need a at the risk of stating the obvious to you um i'm going to put this out there the way the college game has evolved you you just can't play the sport anymore without any production at quarterback you know maybe 30 40 years ago you could build yourself uh dare i say a miami hurricane type of defense and plan to go win 17 10 games or like penn state did in that 1986 season you referenced uh, where they won a bunch of games like that, 17-10, 17-13. The way the games evolve now with the spread offenses and all the plays being run, you're just not going to do that. I'm confident Strong is getting in athletes along the lines and even in you know the, the outside in the defensive backfield, but where he just can't seem to figure it out is quarterback. And if they don't figure it out real quick, the best they're going to do is seven wins. That first game on a Sunday – September 4th against Notre Dame at home is huge to me. If Texas loses the game but they're competitive, if it's a 27-23 type, 27-20 type game, fine. If they go out and get drilled again by Notre Dame, this could start to get ugly quickly for them because they have road, a road trip to Cal. You never know with Cal. I mean, they, they can score points on you. You're on the road. You're going out west. Then you come two weeks later, you're at Oklahoma State. Then you follow it up with the big game against Oklahoma. I mean, 
if Notre Dame takes them apart, there's nothing to say that Texas can't get off to a one and four start. I think, yeah, those first five games are tough. Notre Dame, Cal, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I think the second half of Texas' season is going to be better than the first for a myriad of reasons, scheduling, uh, breaking in a quarterback, and just getting uh, acclimated there. So what do you have Texas at? I've got them at seven. I got them as a seven-win team. I think Charlie's going to figure a few things out this year and maybe just move move the ball enough to give the defense a break. Win a couple of those games that we don't don't expect them to, uh, and then you know they'll they'll lose some games we don't expect them to either because of their offensive play. So yeah, I have them like a seven and five type team. Hopefully they surprise me. I like them. I hope they go eight and four or better. But I'm going to go seven and five. Uh, Texas Tech is next up. <laughs> I mean, this, on a winning football team, this was as bad a defense I think as I've ever seen uh, a year ago. Just. To say the defense will be better would be uh, a little statement from Captain Obvious. And well, let me give you let me give you some scores for them here. They gave up 45, 52, uh, 27. They scored 70, but gave up 53 in a game. Well, now actually lost. Uh, gave up 70 points in a game against Oklahoma State one week after giving up 63 to Oklahoma. Um, won games in which they gave up 44 and 45 points. This is as bad a defense as there ever was. The positive on that is, despite playing horrendously, wait, I think I've got this all wrong for you. 55, 63, 63, and 70. Four different games that they had last year in which they Let gave me cut up those to the chase for you. I've got these guys as a six-win football team, okay? I don't know. We might need a calculator. If you, if anybody has tickets and they want to call the show in the next couple of weeks and they're going to this game, I suggest you bring a hand calculator to keep track of the score because when they play at Arizona State, between Todd Graham and his no. casino defense where he blitzes on every other play and Texas's tech, Texas Tech's normal defense, that that might resemble a basketball game between the two teams. Yeah, one would say that. I'm going to give you um, – you and I differ on, on my opinions on Texas Tech. Texas Tech gave up, I believe, 44 points per game last year, and they were a 7-5 and five football team. No way they could play defense as poorly again this year. And so it stands to reason for me, if you're going to improve on defense – and you've got your quarterback coming back, and Patrick Mahomes was as good as anyone in the conference last year, putting up points and moving the team down the field. You're bringing back your quarterback. Your defense is going to be better. Uh, chances are you're going to be better than 7-5. and five. So I've got Texas Tech as 8-4, and four, believe that or not, Emil. Um, you know, cushy uh, games around that Arizona State game. It's at Arizona State. You know, like, like you said, it's, uh, it's going to be a bingo casino type game. So anyone could win that. You, they're going to win at Stephen F. Austin and Louisiana Tech. Pretty sure of that. You follow that up with Kansas. And then Kansas State, who we both agree is going to be a weaker team this year. That's going to be a good start out the gate for Texas Tech. Things get a little hairy for them down the road, but they do get West Virginia and Oklahoma at home. Um, and they get Baylor at home. So I think Texas Tech could pull off an 8-4 and four season, in my opinion, this year. Fair enough. I just, you know me, I'm, I'm, I don't like teams that, that just seem to make no effort at playing defense. And I don't know, while they may be better just because I'm not sure they can be worse, I'm not sure the philosophies change much there, that they really care much about defense, uh, considering the coach played there and that they never cared about defense before that. So, um, no. No, uh, definitely take on the personality of the coach. But, Emil, there's just no way you can be uh, – you heard those numbers I read off. You can't be worse again on defense than than what they were a year ago. And they managed some kind of You would think that would be a record. challenge. Yeah, you would think yeah, that would I, be a challenge it to would. be worse. You'd have to, like, on purpose be worse. So, uh, that they've – 
they've got to be in my mind at at seven and five like they were last year or or even better. And the schedule is not too horrendous for them. So I, I like Texas Tech to be plus one over last year's schedule. Uh, West Virginia is the final one in the Big Twelve that we need to talk about. And I'll let you start off with them, and I'll tell you what I think. Uh, you know, this is another team that, that, that you know, if, if Texas Tech, especially if you're right and I'm wrong, I mean, to me, this is another club that's a six-win club. Uh, there's some games that are at the beginning is not easy. I mean, they play an SEC team to open up in Missouri. Um, it's at home, thankfully. Then they play Youngstown State. They got BYU on a neutral field. We all know BYU is never – you know, an easy game. BYU plays tough. Um, they got their home with Kansas State and then at Texas Tech, and then they get all the big boys the second half of the year as they're worn down. You know, then they get the Oklahoma State on the road, the Texas on the road. They get Oklahoma at home, big deal. I don't think they'll beat them. Uh, yeah, I just, to me, they're just going to be one of those teams that goes back and forth, alternating wins and losses, and pretty much ends up at 6 and 6. I really can't say much more to add on to that. I have them at the exact same schedule at 6-6. Six and six. West Virginia was another football team not really interested in playing defense last year. Um, that Missouri game, Missouri's got – they've got some holes to fix. They've got some things to do over there. BYU, always a tough game, probably a game that they could lose. Never know what the Mormons are going to bring when they come home and land, uh, whether you're playing them there or, or at your own place. And then uh, what you've got at the end of the year is going to be particularly tough for them. Uh, Oklahoma State, then Texas, Oklahoma, and then, you know, a final game against Baylor, which, you know, who knows what Baylor's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I'll tell you one thing the Mormons will bring. A, a lot of cheerleaders who, a lot of cheerleaders, right, with the same husband. Tread lightly there, my friend. <laughs> Tread <laughs> lightly. All right. We might have gotten ourselves out of a jam there. The only way I could save you is to play that Dennis Rodman I broke my dick three times story. But nevertheless, I don't have to bail you out. we got to go into the ACC. Florida State, what are they going to do? Can they topple Clemson? We'll talk about that division of the ACC when we get back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. No matter how hard you try, you can stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Football season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the tub plays for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. 
absolutely free. 1-800-238, I win. 1-800-238, I win. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. They don't know if they get caught me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show every Friday, 10 a.m. Chad Wilson, Abel Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m. Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino. See you there. that promo <laughs> you gotta love it oh man handicappers if you listen if you're ever if you're not a party animal and you tend to get up early on a saturday when football season starts just thumb through the channels man and uh find yourself on a handicapping show it is just it's better than any cartoon you're gonna pop on just absolutely Can't make it up hilarious just crazy. Nevertheless. All right. Let's uh, j- jump out to the phone lines. We may have a caller here to see if someone has something they want to tell us here. You call caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Do you have something you want to share with us? All right. I guess we just have a listener there. All right, Calamino, you here with me? I'm with you. All I was right. waiting for something uh, profound to come over the phone. Yeah, well, you know, I think we just have someone. Sometimes folks call in. Just so that they could listen. You know, sometimes you gotta gotcha. do that. Anyway. All right, we're gonna head to the ACC. We're gonna start with the Atlantic Division. That is where Clemson resides. That's where Florida State resides. But we're gonna kick this thing off with good old Boston College, Emil. Um, the Eagles out of Boston College were uh, they were an unusual football team last year. One of the top defenses in all of the country, and uh, yet they had some problems winning football games. Big reason why. Couldn't score points, just could not score to save their lives, and uh, it cost them uh, several games last year. But they're tough, and they're physical, and you left that game feeling like, um, you know, you'd been in a football game. And who would have thought that when they hung 76 on Howard early on in the season? But after that, it was a complete yeah, they're, struggle. But they're tough, at, they're tough at their place, and I'll tell you what, you know, quickly going through their schedule and – knowing that they'll play defense and they'll be tough. I mean, typically they're strong on the lines. You know, the, the, you're going to know you're in a game. I could see them being a seven-win team this year. The schedule sets up pretty decent for them. They have that opener against Georgia Tech, but then they have UMass. Um, the Virginia Tech game is not easy, but then they have Wagner and Buffalo at home. You would think, it, you know, in, inside those first five games there's three wins. Uh, they get Clemson and Syracuse at home. I mean, I see Syracuse as a win. Uh, Louisville's at home. UConn is at home. A uh, trip to Wake Forest. I mean, I, I could see this. If they can continue to be a good defensive club, not even a, a top three in the country, just a top 20 defensive club, this could be a seven-win season for them. Yeah, I like them at 6-6, six and six, and uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, the the schedule sets up kind of nice for them. Uh a part of a big part of the reason why they were so good defensively is because they were super conservative offensively and limited the amount of possessions that uh, their opponents had. I don't know if that's the same mo they're going to use. I don't think they'll depart too much from that. So uh, 
I just think at some point you're going to have to score some points, and uh, some of the same things that took them down last year will do so again. But I do like them to double their win total. They were a three-win team last year. I think they're good at 6-6 six and six, um, in 2016. What about Clemson? Made it all the way to the final game, had a chance to beat Alabama, came pretty close to being the national champions. The great and the biggest and most important thing for Clemson coming into the 2016 season is that your return um, the odds-on favorite to be the uh, Heisman Trophy winner this year and Deshaun Watson at quarterback. That's a big thing for them. They do have some things to replace on defense. That's going to be a bit of an issue for them. But um, I, I like Clemson, and I like the direction that they're going in. And um, I, I like Clemson to be – I like them to be an 11-win team this year. You know, I, normally I would, I would shy away from that prediction uh, because of what they lost on defense. But they've done a, good, a really good job recruiting. Having the quarterback back, as you mentioned, is huge. And to be, to be frank with you, the schedule just sets up for them. I mean, they've got two difficult road games on the schedule, and that's the opener against Auburn. And I say, you know, I don't – listen, Auburn it may not be what they've been, but when you're playing them there in the opener, you're going to get their best effort. And then they have the road game at Florida State. They could very well lose one of those games, specifically Florida State, and still mm-hmm. win the division. Okay. Um, sure. I got them winning 11 games. I think the schedule just sets up too nice for them. Um, the games where they could potentially have some issues, like Louisville, that's at home. Pitt's at home. So, for me, if you're going to lose to a Louisville or a Pitt, it's going to be on the road. So I just. I, I'm like you. To me, they're an 11-1 club. Yeah, the schedule helps. Having a Heisman Trophy candidate and a damn good quarterback returning also helps. Wayne Gallman is as underrated a, an offensive player in the country as there is, so uh, it's it's great to have him back, and you have some pieces there on the offense, and you know um, they've recruited well, so you, you have no idea what's waiting in the wings to jump on the field and replace some of those guys on defense. So, like Clemson, um, in the ACC Atlantic this year. FSU, I'm going to let you lead the charge on that, and I'll follow up m- with my thoughts. Well, I mean, this is this is a club that I think, uh, you know, is probably overrated in my mind going into the season. Uh, I saw the quarterback that was supposed to start, McGuire. He's out three to four weeks. That's a hit out of the gate. And then you have that Monday uh, primetime September 5th game against Ole Miss on a neutral field, that's certainly a very losable game. They follow that. I don't know how neutral that is, being in a Citrus Bowl, but, you know. True. I know. I know. But then they follow it up with what should be a glorified scrimmage against uh, Charleston, and then they have a a road game at Louisville. That's never an easy game. You know, at Miami, uh, the Clemson game's home, but that's certainly losable or winnable. But at the end, they finish with Florida. I mean, to me, this is a nine-win team. I just see I see potholes on the road, and I to to me that schedule they're they're nine nine to three team. They'll be a good team, but I just don't think they're going to get where they want to go. Exactly where I see Florida State, you can't underestimate the power of having someone like a Dalvin Cook in your backfield that you can hand the ball off to. But a a minus for Florida State here, and this is something that's probably hard for fans to understand, is that you're going to be breaking in pretty much a brand-new quarterback. Yes, DeAndre Francois is super talented, and the future looks bright for the kid. But 
um, you're opening up the season in a big time game with a brand new quarterback, and that's never good. And then, and then within that first uh, three games, there you're also going to Louisville, which could be tough. North Carolina is not going to be a pushover. Miami, for as you know, as much as you've beaten Miami in a row, you've had a tough time beating them. Uh, in those games, you've won, yes, but it's been tough. And then you're at Miami. Then you've got the Clemson game. And then you've got a Florida team that's sick of losing to you. Yes, you've got them at home. So, yeah, you've, there's some tough games there, and it stands to reason you're probably going to stub your toe on a few of those. So I've got them at a 9-3. and three, uh, and Don't forget, by the way, Chad, that first game against Ole Miss where, where Florida State's breaking in a new quarterback, Ole Miss is not. Right. And, and that's, um, that's, Chad that's Kelly big. does return. Chad Kelly doesn't indeed return. Uh, no Laquan Treadwell, but you know what? Uh, having watched that team live, Treadwell's nice. They've got some other guys that can catch the ball and do some damage there too. So a tough opener for Florida State when you're breaking in a brand new quarterback. It could kind of set, could kind of set the tone for some things there um, coming coming down the pike. So that's how I see it for them. Um, if we're going alphabetically here, which is how we're trying to do this thing, Emil. Um, Per you, I don't even remember why we we're doing it that way. But uh, next up on the next up on the docket for us here in the ACC is going to be Louisville, a team we have mentioned a couple of times here and talking about. Louisville for me, Emil, I thought they had some opportunities last year, uh, and in a testament to some of the things I've talked about in predicting the the uh, the uh, record for some of the other teams, both in the Big Twelve and early on here in the ACC, they were upended by quarterback play. And while they had a talented guy in Lamar Jackson, he was brand new. This was a freshman, and um, it showed at times in games for Louisville. And if they would have just had a veteran there at quarterback in a couple of those games last year, they would have been able to reverse the outcome of those games. Um, Jackson's back, so that's going to certainly help them. Louisville has been solid. Bobby Petrino has done a good job there in Louisville, a tough place to recruit when you're in here in the ACC. But uh, I think they're a solid football team. I like them to be an 8-4 and four football team this year. I don't know if you see them any better than that. I'm not as bullish. I got them at 7-5. and five. I mean, I don't think they'll they'll be they, – I mean, they may scare a Florida State at home or something, but I think they'll eventually lose that game in the Clemson game. And then the back end of the schedule – while you look and say there's some wins there, I don't like the stretch where they're at Virginia, at Boston College, home with Wake Forest, at Houston. So I think there's a loss or two in there. So for me, I just I just see it as like a seven and five type deal. But I mean, would I, would I be shocked like I fall off my chair if they go eight and four? No. I mean, I think like you said, if they get some better play uh, from quarterback from the quarterback position, sure, a game one of these games could break their way and they you know they end up eight and four. But uh, for now, I'm going to call it seven and five. Yeah, uh, I mean Jackson's a dynamic player at quarterback. It just it remains to see if he'll be able to, you know, provide some consistency. If he can at that position, uh, I think that's going to be everything for them. Whether he can be consistent as a quarterback for Louisville will probably determine whether they are indeed a, you know, eight and four or seven and five or even a six and six football team. NC State is next. Um, big hole in having to replace Jacoby Brissett. You know, NC State has been um, sitting right there in the middle, Emil, uh, of the pack over the last few years, maybe even below below the Mendoza line there. But I I, I think they're I think they're right that I think they're gonna history is gonna remain the same for NC State as they try and fill the shoes uh, left open by Jacoby Brissett. I like them at a six and six. 
Uh, I don't know where you think they're going to end. funny you say I had them in the same place, and they do themselves no favors. This is a team I crucify annually at this time of year. Um, they're, they're scheduling out of conference. William & Mary at East Carolina, okay. Old Dominion. I mean, what is this, the baseball schedule? Then they come home yeah. for a conference game with Wake Forest. Then they have an out-of-conference with Notre Dame. I mean, they're going to win six games just because I have a feeling between the William & Marys and Old Dominions and Wake Forest – They'll get some wins, but the back end of the schedule has them, you know, last four games. Florida State at Syracuse, home with Miami at North Carolina. I mean, that's no picnic either. Uh, yeah, they're a 6-6 six and six club for me. Yeah, so we agree on that there. Next up is Syracuse. I like the hire of Dino Babers, uh, but you're, it's a brand-new coach, so there's going to be some issues there, especially early on in the season. Um, and it's going to take him some time to – get first a get the kind of talent that he wants to run what he wants to run offensively there um and just really change the mindset in that program because Syracuse has been down for a little bit so uh while I like the hire uh I don't think I really like them too much this season I'm thinking four and eight and um and uh I don't really see them that much better than that not a you know we just talked about how NC State wants to open up the season in terms of a scheduling not really the case for Syracuse, who opens up with Louisville and USF, and then at UConn, then Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Tough, tough start for them there. I don't, you know, four and eight might not to be mention a, a back end of your schedule littered with Clemson, Florida State, and a road trip to what should be a decent pit team. I mean, that's it, yeah. I'm with you. This is a, it, I, a matter of fact. I mean, this could be depending on how the, the early part of the schedule breaks. Uh, it, it could go from you know being a four-win club to being a two-win club if things don't break right. But I'll call I'll call them a, a four and eight type team, uh, you know, because I think they'll find some wins there because he's a good coach. Yeah, uh, I think. Listen, though the end of the schedule has got uh, some toughness in it, I think that's you know they may find themselves there. I think that Boston College game is going to be pretty interesting um, there. If you're looking forward to anything, if you're a big Syracuse football. Uh, type person that's going to be an interesting game in my opinion uh, when that one comes comes down the pike so what are we left with good old Wake Forest getting lathered up for Wake Forest uh, let's just put it this way they should stick to basketball just like Kansas I don't yeah, know what well, else to say yeah I can't I, I mean, can't get too they open with Tulane the third game of the year is Delaware Delaware for those of you who don't follow uh, you know all of college football could easily beat Wake Forest. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Delaware beat Wake Forest. They got a road trip to Indy. Yeah, they got a road trip to Indiana, a very losable game. Uh, This this at best to me is a three-win team. They could win the Tulane game, the Delaware game, maybe the Army game. I I don't know. You know, it's a three-win team to me. Well, you and I agree on that. I like Wake Forest to be three and nine this season. So I don't know how much we uh, we differ here, Emil. Um, I think the biggest one that we disagreed on, I guess, is even Louisville. You've got Boston College at seven and five. I have them at six and six. So what are we calling? We calling? Uh, yeah, Clemson I mean, our biggest so far in the Coastal? whole show to recap. Our biggest disagreement at this point is that you have Oklahoma winning the Big Twelve, and I have TCU. That's that's our major. Uh, major difference right now that we have yeah that and two-game difference there on texas tech but that's your acc coastal we like clemson to uh make it to the championship game uh once again hard to discount what uh 
Clemson's going to be bringing to the table at quarterback and uh, offensively. And, and, you know, like we've all said, they've recruited quite well. So it looks like it might be another return trip to the championship game for the ACC for Clemson. What do we think about the Atlantic division? Uh, that's coming up next here on the grid. Oh, actually, the Coastal Division. Sorry about that, my friends. We just did the Atlantic Division. I need another sip of coffee here. So the Atlantic <laughs> Division. Uh, we like Clemson in the Atlantic Division. Who do Amel and I like in the Coastal? That's what's coming up next. Stick with us. We'll be back here on the Gridiron Stud Show. amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. We're back on a college football prediction version of the, or let me say edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino here with you, breaking down the ACC, the uh, remaining half of the ACC is the Coastal Division. We just finished doing the Atlantic, both of us like Clemson there. We uh, started off with the Big 12. Uh, I like Oklahoma. And uh, Emil likes TCU in the Big 12, so uh, a rare difference of opinion there, and we'll see how all that shakes out. But right now, let's move on to the Coastal Division, uh, 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 an area near and dear to the heart of the folks down here where the Gridiron Stud Show originates, 
and that's South Florida. So it involves the University of Miami, but we're doing this alphabetically. So we got to start off with Duke, Amel, and uh, just right off the bat, I think Duke falls back this year, the way that they finished up the season. You know, after that crazy game with the University of Miami where you had 57 laterals and a touchdown that sunk Duke, it really did sink Duke. Uh, they, I just don't think they really ever recovered from that. I, I, I just have this feeling that that's going to carry over into into this 2016 season for them. Not to mention they've got some some holes to replace there. But after that Miami loss, uh, that heartbreaker to Miami, they lost three straight games. Uh, they went the next week and got pummeled 66 to 31 by North Carolina. They just really never got it together. Even the Wake Forest game at the end of the year was a struggle for them to win. And it's just, I just think there's going to be some carryover uh, for for Duke in that one. And uh, you're replacing a quarterback. And um, look, you love what you love what's been done at Duke, but I think they fall back this year. I like them to be well, a five and step you know, football team. And, here, and here, here's where the you know scheduling doesn't do actually them any favors. I, I went with four and eight. I got them at five and seven just because I think they're well coached, but I do see them falling back. I mean, early the NC Central game, and then they come in a conference game with Wake Forest, and here's that's not going to do them any favors because what they're going to see the following two weeks are road trips to Northwestern and Notre Dame, um, not good. Then they have a couple winnable games with Virginia and Army at home, and then the back end of this schedule gets hellacious where they play at Louisville, at Georgia Tech, home with Virginia Tech and North Carolina, two games they could lose at home, and then at Pitt at Miami. So, yeah, I mean, I have them at five wins, but if they fell back further, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah. Um, So not going to be a banner year for Duke. We're both predicting. Uh, Georgia Tech is next up. Uh, I really think folks have caught up with that triple option. They've, They've regathered themselves on that Georgia Tech triple option that was clearly apparent last year. Georgia Tech could not win an ACC game to save their life. And then uh, on one fateful night, they caught Florida State slipping, blocked a kick, and ran it in for a touchdown, their lone win in their last uh, however many games. They had a nice little losing streak going there. I don't predict that bad of a season for them. I do predict them to get up off their feet. But you know the Georgia Tech team that was playing in the ACC championship game? I don't see that team here. Um but you listen, if they come out at the seven and five that I'm predicting them at, that's a whole lot better than where they were a year ago. Uh, early on, you're taking on Boston College. That's going to be a very interesting game. Then you got Mercer and Vanderbilt. Then you're into your schedule. Um, somewhere in there, in the middle, they've got Georgia Southern. So there's uh, three for sure victories right there for Georgia Tech, and then they probably sneak. Why up are on you a saying Vanderbilt? Are you saying Vanderbilt's a for sure victory? They're at home against Vanderbilt. I mean, you can't lose that game. You can't. You just well, can't lose that game. You shouldn't lose that game, but, I mean, Vanderbilt occasionally does play some good defense, and they're from the better conference. So, I mean, it could happen. It could. I don't think it will. Mercer, Vanderbilt, Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern is a, Georgia Southern's a pain to play. Don't they run one of those goofy offenses, too? They are. Georgia Southern's a pain to play when you're thinking about someone else. I don't think Georgia Tech's going to be thinking about someone else. And there are a couple of teams I think they're going to fall back. I think Georgia Tech climbs back out of their little hole. And uh, I like them at 7-5. and five. That might be a little ambitious, though, but that's where I have them. Mm, I, I have them more as a five-win team. I mean, I, I, you know, I just see a lot of teams here that they – I. I don't think I mean at North Carolina I have as a loss at Virginia Tech's a loss at Georgia's a loss at Pitt's a loss they lose at home to Miami and Clemson I mean there's just a lot of losses there I have five wins for them 
Five and seven. Five and seven for Georgia Tech. Next up is the University of Miami. Um, this is the only team, I think, of all that we're predicting today between the Big 12 and the ACC where you kind of let the cat out the bag. So I'm going to tell you where I stand on the University of Miami. Do I think the University of Miami will be a better football team this year? Yes. Will it show on the uh, on the final ledger? I don't think so. Uh, breaking in a new coach, even though it's one that's you know full of uh, experience is always uh, a problem because you just got to get used to things, the uh, game day uh, routine and atmosphere and how things are done. You got to put in a new offense, a new defense. Everything's brand new, and that tends to be a bit of a problem, and it can cost you a game here and there. And I think that's going to be some of it for Miami. The early part of the schedule is great. You know, FAMU, FAU, Appalachian State, all games that uh, you could win. That App State game could get a little funny, but that's a game Miami's going to win just on talent alone. The Georgia Tech game could be a little weird, okay? Uh, Miami's had their problems with Georgia Tech. I think that's a problem, especially when it's a week ahead of Florida State. And then you're following that up with North Carolina. And then you got Virginia Tech on a Thursday on the road after North Carolina. And then you're following that up with Notre Dame. Don't like it. Just don't like that stretch right there. And that's going to be a bit of a problem, I think. Uh, I have them at 7-5. and five. That's not going to make Miami fans very happy. But, you know, I'm not going to be a homer. I'm just going to come here with the truth. The schedule doesn't really line up too well for the University of Miami. And, and you got a brand-new coach. Well, I think they may have the best pro-style quarterback in college football. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that helps. And I think Mark Mark Richt is an underrated football coach. Maybe he didn't win as much as his recruiting classes should have indicated to some Georgia fans that he should have won. But, yeah, you know, um, and that's I an still... interesting point. And not not to cut you off, I'm gonna let you finish. But I've heard that argument a lot about, oh, well, he didn't win the championship, or he didn't do this and that. Uh, that's a tough conference that he played in. And you know what? He didn't uh, hurt himself there. Um, he he no. won the conference a couple of times, and he was always in the mix. And let's face it, man, the SEC is not the ACC Coastal Division. It's just not. And anyone who no. wants to act like it is is dead wrong. This is a, obviously a weaker conference. I just think he's gonna have to, he's probably going to ease his way into success here. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be a 9-3 and three team. Um, because I think they have the quarterback. I think he's a, a, a good football coach. I think the first four games are – they better come out of those four and oh, I don't care how much trouble Georgia Tech gives them, okay? I mean mm-hmm. – I'm just the, concerned the, the about a Georgia Tech game. Let me just give you a perspective on that. I'm concerned about that Georgia Tech game a week ahead of Florida State because I'm going to tell you this. When you got a rivalry game, coaches are prone to this. It's happened is you try and sneak in some Florida State stuff a week ahead of time. And you can't do that with Georgia Tech because you've got to be all about the Georgia Tech triple option that week. And you can't sneak oh, in any other I understand, stuff. I understand completely what your concern is, and I share yeah, what it. What does help is saying, Rick face Georgia Tech every year. That's right. And they've got to come out 4-0. The home-and-home with Florida State, North Carolina is tough because – even if you pull the upset against Florida State, now the following week you got to come back and play a very good um, North Carolina team and be ready and prepared for them. And then a road trip on a short week, by the way, which I don't like this stuff in college football. You're asking these kids to play five days, six days later uh, after North Carolina. I don't Carolina understand how the schedule got put together, Emil. I mean, look at that. Florida State, then North Carolina, then on the road, and then Notre Dame? 
on the road. Right, but how about on the ro- how about on the road with only five days between the games? Total BS. I mean that's that's a joke. But someone I mean, signed the, the, off on this. Yeah, that's negligence if you're the AD. If whoever you were when you maybe you're not employed there anymore and you put this schedule together, that's negligence. Okay, P- putting you know those that set of games with five days. Okay, and then you know they get nine days to go to Notre Dame. So I think there's some losses in there. That said, I think they can regroup, uh, finishing with at Pitt, home against Pitt at Virginia, at NC State, home with Duke. Um, so I've got them as a nine-win team because I think there's some wins at the beginning and the end. The middle's hairy. There's going to be some losses in there, but I, I think they could still have themselves a good year. Watch them end up eight and four, falling in between <clears throat> both of us there. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. North Carolina's next, and Amor, I'm just going to say it right out the bat. I think they are the, they're probably this year uh, the pride and joy of the Coastal Division. North Carolina um, was a very exciting football team last year. They were they were short on defense sometimes, but what they ended up doing, uh, they really just came out of nowhere. And I love the way they finished the season last year, uh, starting with the pummeling of Duke at 66-31. and 31. Then they handed Miami a king-size butt weapon at 59-21. Went and won a tough game at Virginia Tech. And off of that tough game, this is what really tells me something about a team, off of that tough game, uh, they went and, and uh, won on the road at NC State. And then, you know, listen, they gave Clemson quite the battle in the ACC championship game. So I love the way that they finished up. Um, I think the schedule is uh, quite kind to North Carolina. Um, they're bringing back their quarterback. Let's talk about the schedule. They're opening up with Georgia. Now, yes, let's, the name is Georgia. That's, a, that's the first game for Kirby Smart. And uh, I don't like opening games like that for a brand-new coach. So uh, I think North Carolina could get it done in that game. And then your Illinois and JMU. Then your Pitt, who I'm not so high on, we'll talk about in a minute. At Florida State game is one that can go either way, um, depending on how things go. Again, Florida State breaking in a brand-new quarterback. And then, you know, you're at Miami and Virginia. But towards the end of the year, you get you get the Citadel in there. I like North Carolina in this conference. Um, you know what, 10-2, and 11-1, and one, I'm going to go high and call them on an 11-1 and one team this year. I might be crazy. Uh, I think you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I've got them 9-3 and three winning the division. Um, I, I, because of the criminality in the Miami schedule, uh, you know, I think that game will determine the, the division champion. And, and, you know, I'm going to call for Carolina to win that game. Uh, even though it's Kirby's first game, I still think, you know, basically what amounts to a home game for Georgia uh, I, I think they'll find a way to get it done. So, you know, I've got Carolina losing two games in the conference but winning the division, uh, and they'll play, in my mind, what we talked earlier, Clemson, I think, is the class of the other side. So I've got Carolina playing Clemson in that championship once again. Looks like a rematch there. Pittsburgh, um, if I'm reading the tea leaves between what I've heard you kind of throw out there as we've been doing the broadcast, I think we're going to differ a little bit on what I think Pitt's going to do this year. I think it's tough for Pittsburgh. Breaking in a brand-new quarterback, not sure if you're going to get your big-time running back, and he was really everything for them. Uh, they relied a whole lot on, on Connor as a running back, and uh, he ran into – Ran into an injury and then um, ran into lymphoma, which he's yeah. looks like he's beating. Um, kudos to him on that. A, a courageous young man. But I just think Pitt's going to have some issues this year replacing uh, quarterback Tyler Boyd and, and then maybe not having a full-speed Connor or at least having him at what he was 
and then I don't particularly care for the schedule for Pitt um, as that one can get a little rough. They, sh- they have Penn State and Oklahoma State early, uh, then uh, back-to-back games against Oklahoma State and North Carolina on the road. Um, you've got, you're have got at Miami, you're at Clemson. Uh, that's tough, and uh, I think Pitt's a 5-7 and seven football team this year. See, I just think they're going to step up and, uh, and make a little jump to 7-5, and five. and hear me out here. I think the first game against Villanova is obviously winnable, and the Penn State pick game up this way is a huge game just because you know if they haven't played in a while. They should play every year in my mind. Um, a game they can win. Now, then they go in those road games, and I, you know, obviously I don't really see them unless they shock some people beating Oklahoma State or North Carolina on the road. They come back with some winnable games against Marshall and Georgia Tech at home and even a road game against Virginia before playing a Thursday night game against Virginia Tech. And then, like you said, Miami Clemson. There's some losses in there, finishing up at home with Duke and Syracuse, winnable games. So I, I think they're going to be a little bit better. I just I, I just have a gut feeling the way the direction the program's going that this is a 7-5 and football team. So you like them to beat Virginia Tech? Uh well, I mean, if you look at what I just went through, I think, you know, I think the Villanova, for some reason, I think they will beat Penn State. I think the Marshall-Georgia Tech games are eminently winnable. That's that's four right there. And the Duke and Syracuse games at home are winnable. That's six. I mean, they got to come up with one win in that whole set got of you, other got games. Got you on but, that. we gotta, we got to zip yeah. through because we're running out of time here. But uh, you've yep. got Virginia. They've replaced your boy Mike London. You've been calling this for the last two years. I think Virginia is a team that's. Pro- I like Bronco Mendenhall. Whether or not he'll fit in Virginia, we'll have to see. I like him at five and seven. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much have him in the same spot. He's a good coach. Um, the schedule is hard. They're at Oregon. That's no favor there. Uh, you know, and they got some of these other teams. You know, they did draw North Carolina and Miami at home. I'm not so sure they can win the game, whether it's at home or not. So, yeah. So what do you I, like I, I the map this year? Five, five wins. Five wins with, with Bronco first year. Five and seven. We'll finish up with Virginia Tech here. I like the Fuentes hire. I just don't think it's going to pay immediate dividends in terms of uh, the one loss record. I have Virginia Tech at six and six, but I think the future is bright. they got to replace a quarterback. Schedule's not kind. What do you think on them? Got about 30 seconds. Uh, another team. Another team. I think could be a five-win team. I mean, it's just a brutal schedule. Schedule's tough. Tennessee. Five and seven. North Carolina. Yeah, five and seven. We both Notre like Dame North Carolina the in the coastal. Yeah, we both like North Carolina in the coastal. We think it's North Carolina and Clemson in the ACC championship. We agree on that, and that's going to be our ACC Big Twelve wrap-up. Check us again on Fridays. We're going to. Uh, continue on with our college football predictions. We'll let you know what those are. Stay and uh, continue to listen to us here on the Gridiron Studs Show. That's our show for today. Um, if you like us, continue to listen to us. Make us a featured show on Blog Talk Radio for Emil Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Studs Show. See you on Friday. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.